Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Steve Weiss of the NFL Network. As the NFL season is upon us, we'll go around the National Football League and tell you all you need to know before Thursday night's opener between the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. Joining me, as always, is Thomas Bridges. And uh, Thomas, today we have made way to Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and for the first time ever, this show is being hosted between the two of us in your living room. Right in my living room. You're drinking a Boulevard wheat, and I'm sipping on a champagne campaign. <laughs> Do we want people to know that part? Nah, it's better than the Captain Morgan clink <laughs> a couple weeks ago in the freezer. <laughs> yes, we can hear in the background there. But, clink. <laughs> uh... We've promised this day to the listeners for quite some time, and then uh, I just happened to be in Tulsa, and uh, I hit you up and said, hey, how about we just go ahead and finally do the show in Bartlesville? So, surprise, surprise, here we are. Bartlesville, Oklahoma. You can't beat it. <laughs> Claiming the fame is Phillips 66. <laughs> we should have done this at the Price Tower. At the Price Tower? That's where we should have done it. Can you? Is there an overlook on the Price Tower? There is. You can go outdoor on the rooftop. Really? With a full bar, with Captain Morgan. Well, let's stop this show right now and restart. We'll just going start there. going to the Price Tower. <laughs> that would be incredible. I'm a, I'm already a fan. I, I got to see this before I leave town tonight. Have you never seen the Price Tower? I have not seen the Price Tower. I've stayed in the Price Tower. Really? Yeah, they're gonna make it into apartments. I heard soon, but I don't know how they're Why? gonna get a couch up. I don't know. I guess they're losing money, but. <laughs> I figured it was a national landmark or something. They get government funding or something at least. It's the uh, the forest. I forget what they call it. It's Frank Lloyd Wright's only skyscraper. <laughs> that or we could have done it from Murphy's. Murphy's, the gas station? No, you've had Murphy's before. The home oh, of the hot cheeseburger gravy overall. I was thinking of, uh, USA. of Walmart. Murphy's USA. Yeah. yeah, we could have done there. Got a pack of Dorel Light 100s and a... Pack of Natty Light. <laughs> Welcome to Bartlesville. Oh, uh, that would really took it to Phillips. Yeah, yeah, no joke. I We're at Murphy's. Right. Do it from Quick Trip. <laughs> right. I don't know. That's kind of Tulsa. That's more Tulsa's thing. I <laughs> we don't know where. We could have went to Frank and Lola's or. We could have went to Quick Trip, eating some taquitos. Right. I wish. I'm convinced that Seven Up taquitos are better than Quick Trip. No, that's a Seven Up. It's 7-Eleven. See? No, they're trash. Those steak taquitos at 7-Eleven? They're terrible. Oh. We don't do 7-Eleven here. When, it's only Quick Trip. When you're driving, like, from Orlando to Daytona at, like, 11 o'clock at night and need to stop and eat some dinner because you haven't eaten yet. Not 7-Eleven. And you stop at 7-Eleven and get a steak taquito. You would get mugged at a 7-Eleven. No. That's the place where you get mugged. That's it? And it's not the good 44-ounce kind of mug. <laughs> uh, it's not the big... What is it? The big jug? What do they call them? The big Q? The, no, that's Quick Trip. Is the big gulp? The big gulp, yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. Inspiring an obesity in America since whenever 7-Eleven first opened. <laughs> hey, free... Uh, free... Did, whatever, free... Uh, do you remember when I went... Day. Do you remember when I went down to Dallas and we did the show from, from there for a few weeks when I was taking classes at SMU? Right, right. One of the days I was down there was 7-Eleven Day. 
and being the broke high school kid I was, let alone college kid, uh, I went down and got about four different Slurpees, which is very on brand for me. Because it was free Slurpee day. Yes, which is very on brand for my free brand. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Bueno, I remember used to have coupons on coupons. (laughs) Slurpee day. I'm surprised you didn't get one of those kiddie pools from Lowe's (laughs) and go fill it up. Because it was whatever you brought in. Yeah. Is there someone that did take a kiddie pool and fill it up? And I thought, why? How you would even carry that out? After a little bit, that would be kind of heavy. How would you get it'd out the door? It'd be a two-man job. You'd have to fold it kind of in half. Hold <laughs> none dripped on the ground. That's not a bad idea, though. Maybe we might do it next year. There's some 7-Eleven in uh, there was KC. A, there was a mimosa Slurpee on my big game. <laughs> yeah, you sound like it right now. Dom, uh, the college football season has uh, already started. Week number one in the books. And uh, not a whole lot of surprises, per se, out of week one. The top ten all came out with victories in that first week. But I would say that there was some standout performers. The first of those being Jalen Hurts. He was the most impressive player of the country this past week with what he was able to do against Houston on Sunday night. That was a great performance from him. And, and starting with Jalen, when I looked at what Jalen did on uh, on Sunday night, we had all these questions about what Jalen Hurts of, can he be accurate enough in that Oklahoma offense where you have to pass the ball a lot? He checked that box off. He ran... He, really well. I get it. He's not as fast as Kyler Murray is, but he still was able to do some things that we didn't even see from Kyler Murray before. And what made this all work, what was so impressive from from him, and goes back to Lincoln Riley, is that Lincoln Riley took a talented quarterback in, in Jalen Hurts and then takes him to another level in the way that they were able to use and execute that offense, that they were able to combine not only the things that Oklahoma has done well the last several years, but also Jalen's strengths as well when it comes to running the football and other things all night long. You know, we, we've seen in the NFL and college football, high school ball, and such, the RPOs have really just taken football by storm. And Oklahoma was running a different type of system, a uh, not necessarily an RPO, but a PRO, where they were passing to open up the run, and it worked out beautifully. I mean, that was very impressive, the performance from Jalen Hurts uh, coming out of the gates from that Oklahoma team. And and afterwards, he he was upset with his team in their performance. Uh, I mean, the way that things went afterwards, I think that realistically he was probably pointing to that defense. Oh, yeah, because in the first half, they kind of, you know, it was, okay, a typical OU game. This is kind of what we expected. They're looking good. Out of the gate, Jalen Hurts, very impressive. I'm sure Dana Holgerson probably had to take a Xanax <laughs> when he went midway through the first. So he didn't a couple have Red a, Bulls. Yeah, till he, so he didn't have a stroke. Um, but in the second half, it kind of was like, oh, okay, well, I mean, it is a Dana Holgerson-led team. And even though it is Houston, it's obviously not what they were promised when Tom Herman was there, but... Uh, any Dana team is going to have a, a a respectable offense. So, out of the first out game out of the gate, you know, it's going to happen. And this is, you know, pretty typical of what we guess from the defense. Uh, is it going to get better? Yes, it always gets better. Uh, was it good enough to, you know, maybe stave off another a better team? 
maybe. Uh, you know, with what Jalen Hurts was able to do and open up the the ground game as well, then, you know, they would, you know, maybe survive. But it's going to be maybe one of those years where they have to rely on the offense. It's kind of a consistent right, from what we've seen. That defense, was it improved? Of course, it was. They were tackling better. They were executing things. The way they played in that first half was much improved from what we saw under the Mike Stoops days. But they still ended the night giving up 31 points. They still gave away some big plays, some things that they should not have. That OU defense looked improved, but they certainly have work to do for that group. But there's reason to be optimistic that the improvement is there. Still a long ways to go with that bunch. Right, and you're going to get that from a lot of teams uh, in, in, you know, the first couple of games. It's, you know, why you don't, you know, if you can't, if you're not confident in your ability to beat a big-name team, you know, don't schedule a a blue-chip team. I mean, Houston is respectable, uh, and, and you know they 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 played tough in that second half and, and threw some things at OU that said, "Hey, kind of confused the defense a little bit," and and that's why they scored thirty one. Is it the end all be all? Is it the end of the world? No, uh, and, and it's one of those games you take and build from and say at the end of the season, "Hey, look where we started, look where we've came." Well, you hope anyway. Right. If you're an OU fan, you hope. Right. You know, you hope you get better. Um. Texas took care of business in their game. Oklahoma State against uh, Oregon State. Let's talk about that real quick. Uh, debut Spitzer Sanders checked off every box. Was just terrific in his performance. Tylon Wallace was a machine. I don't know how you could not have watched that and been excited about Tylon Wallace. He is uh, setting up to be a you know top 15 pick in this next draft. I mean, he's that talented at the receiver position. The offense looked good. They did all those things. What comes to mind is, I like Mike Gundy. He's done a great job at Oklahoma State. But what I saw in a half from Spencer Sanders was enough for me to say, why was this guy not starting last year? Why was Taylor Cornelius that starter? Because from what we saw in one half, and really you know, when it came down to it, a full game, we never saw that all year long from Taylor Cornelius. Not one game matched up to the performance we saw from Spencer Sanders on Friday night. Granted, I think Corndog's best performance was, I mean, that Texas game looked phenomenal, and, and maybe that's their best game really all year. Uh, but, I mean, I completely agree. And there was there were talk of, you know, people said, well, you know, if Sanders or Drew Brown's not starting and, and Cornelius is the best they have, then they're in a lot of trouble next year. I mean, he was playing, must have been playing the long con or playing the game that we know Gundy plays over and over again, and that's the loyalty game. Uh, even if it cost games against K-State, which was the, one of the most embarrassing games I've ever had to watch, and the Baylor game, uh, there were several games. Iowa State, there were games where if you have a dual-third quarterback with what Spencer Sanders showed, you probably win those games. Yeah, I agree. I agree that those were things that – you, you look at it in this conference, you have to take some chances sometimes. You have to have a guy that's willing to put the ball out there and not play conservative. And that's what you felt like you got from Taylor Cornelius last year was a guy that wasn't willing to step out and take risk. And, and this guy, in Spencer Sanders, was thrown in across the yard. He played with no fear. And that's what's going to take a team to the next step is playing with no fear. And I think they have their guy in Spencer Sanders. That was impressive. The defense did not look good. Um, Jim Knowles has some work to do. A lot of work but to do. But Sean Gleason, first first game out of the gate, 
Uh, I really loved his play calling. I mean, it was very refreshing. If you're an Oklahoma State fan and you don't think that was refreshing, then you need to go back and watch the years such years. I didn't see – I don't think I can remember one bubble screen. Unless you count the Thailand touchdown is kind of a bubble screen, and he took that for 36 yards. Right. And that was iffy. Chuba Uh, Hubbard was fantastic. I mean, he's got to be – I mean, if he keeps it up, maybe I'm being overacting. I probably am, but – do you think he's better than Justice? I think so. And a lot of Oklahoma State people, that's the chit-chatter in Stillwater right now, is that look how much, you know, they thought he took a jump from the first year. Okay, the second year, okay, he's kind of jumped. Yeah. Third year, he's even made a, a bigger leap. And maybe I'm being overactive since it's Oregon State, but that looked like a Heisman running back. Yeah, he, he was uh, He was tremendous. The Big 12 as a whole goes 10-0 and week one. Should have went 9-1. and should have um, that Iowa State game. Let's talk about that. Uh, I've been high on this Iowa State team <laughs> in the off season. I'm not selling them just yet. If they would have lost. I would have took you to a petting zoo today. Oh, let's not go with petting zoo. <laughs> Stay as far away from the petting zoo as possible. I told you when we were doing this show coming to Bartlesville. I said, "Do not take me to a petting zoo. Whatever we do, the Brock Purdy petting zoo, <laughs> where it's not so purdy." Uh, Cam- after they the lose. Matt Campbell Cow Farm. Uh, Northern Iowa is, is an interesting team. You know, they've been top 20 FCS every year for the last decade or so, and they've posed some interesting challenges to both Iowa and Iowa State. It's a weird matchup for both those schools when they face Northern Iowa. But they're, they have no business going to triple overtime with Northern Iowa, no Not matter how you slice it. Not at all. And, and Brock Purdy played okay, not great. The defense really let down. The, the thing I took away from that game, Tom, was not so much about Purdy, but the lack thereof of weapons. When you lost David Montgomery to the Chicago, Bear, Chicago Bears, um, you know, Akeem Butler to the NFL draft, I mean, they lost some real talent. And, I mean, not just – I think we assumed, me in particular, I'll, I'll own up on this, that Iowa State could just replace those guys overnight, but – Maybe maybe they do later in the season, but week one, there's not another Hakeem Butler or David Montgomery walking through that door right away. No, and you know, Crony showed some promise. There were a few times I thought, okay, this kid is for real, but he's no David Montgomery. And they don't have a you know, they don't have a big target like they did two years ago in Lazard. They don't have anybody that's good you know, there's nobody right now. I watched the whole game because I was rooting for them to lose because you know how I feel about Iowa State. Yeah, would have been bad. It would have been bad for the Big 12, but it, at this point in time, like, you know what? I know how you feel about Brock Purdy, and I'm like, all right, I want to <laughs> see the downfall. Uh, going to that game, going to go to Ames, and I hope they play the same way they did against Northern Iowa, and I might be walking out of there a happy camper. But with the Iowa teams, man, something about the damn cornfields or something there, you don't never know what you're going to get. Yeah. You really don't. I mean, in Northern Iowa, knock off your Iowa Forrest, team or Iowa State anytime. Forrest Gump said life's like a box of chocolates. He should have said life's like a cornfield. Yeah, right. You don't know what corn you're You never know out. where the hell you're getting out. Right. Yeah, until you win, it's time to get the hell out of Ames. Kansas, I was at that game. They uh, took on Indiana State. The Sycamores. They opened the game with a pick six from the best name in the Big 12 Conference, Hassan Defense. <laughs> and you know, great start to that game. Crowd gets into it. And what do you know? Les Miles, we, we were speculating how this offense would look 
one of the biggest downfalls with Les at LSU, one of the reasons why he got fired was he never modernized his offense. It still looked like it was straight out of 1940 when he got fired. And to be honest with you, I mean, as much as I hate to say this, it didn't look like much changed. Um, there were some elements I like. I love running an eye formation at times, using a fullback as an extra blocker. I would like to see more teams utilize a fullback. Uh, Benny Miles, less his own son, as the starting fullback, played pretty well. Um, that I do like. But for the most part of you know going to a huddle and taking your time and doing these things, there, there was just a lack of creativity. And I was talking to Smacker Miles, Les's daughter, just a couple days ago, and she said that she would, her dad said that the creativity of the offense will display itself. I didn't see that on display at all. It was very vanilla. And maybe they have more to reveal. I know they get Puka Williams back this week. That will certainly help. But it was very vanilla for, me, for my liking. Seven-point win. It was good enough to get the win. You got out of there with a victory. But to me, there's cause for concern, not only because it is Kansas, but just with this offensive scheme, what exactly, how this offense can really develop with how vanilla it is. Right, and, and I think it would be remiss to say that we didn't expect, I didn't expect Boston College to come out and get Virginia Tech like that. And KU's got a date with BC here pretty quick. Two weeks. Two weeks. Uh, Puka Williams is going to help. It's going to help. It's going to open it up for Carter Stanley. Uh, How about that, too? Carter getting the start over McVitie? Right. And then, you know, after, you know, Carter coming back, shook, left, you know, got that, what was it, a fumble recovery for a touchdown for Indiana State? Yeah. Came back, drove down the field. That was was drive. That was uh, like an... 75-yard drive. And it was the, the go-ahead to touchdown, win. yeah. That was impressive. That, I mean, that showed some real maturity. I'll say this. Something that wouldn't have been done ever under David Beatty, I exactly. guarantee it. That, that gets to my next point. With, with Les Miles is, yes, you don't have a creative offense, that things are very vanilla. You get that with Les Miles. You also get the good, too. Les instills confidence in his guys like no other coach I've seen. Um, you know, he, he got those guys to buy in. The play calling down the stretch to set up that drive, the two-point conversion play, that's all Les Miles. David Beatty loses that game against Indiana State. been a choke. Yeah. I think that's an important takeaway is with Les, you get the good and the bad. And ultimately, it was the difference still between a win and a loss, and you have to like that. Yeah, and depending on how this all forms up and how Puka does coming out of the gate, which I, I don't have any doubt that he'll be you know, up there with Chuba Hubbard. Uh, at the top, uh, so I mean it's only up from here. Yeah, it's kind of like we talk about OSU defense is going to get better for OU. The defense is going to get better. This is Les's first game in however long with some guys that are all his. Right. Uh, you pull out the win, and like I said, if that's David Bates' team last year, that's a loss. Uh, and I wonder how many of however many. What was the attendance like? Um, the official number on Saturday was thirty-two thousand. That's probably more than last year. More than any game last year. Well, there you go. So, and I wonder how many of those sitting in the stands thought it was going to be a choke. Right? How many people I would have like, oh, kind of no. considered it. Right? I, when I saw it on ESPN, I was like, oh. When they were down 17-16, my I, phone was starting to blow up. Oh, no, God. It's like, come on. I'm going to have to go to the Hawk and 
getting smammered <laughs> after this game and turned my phone off for the night. Um, Baylor had a decisive win over Stephen F. Austin, 56-17. I like what Rule's doing. Yeah, as I much do as too. I hate Baylor. You, you, do you hate everybody in this No, league? I like Gary Patterson. Okay. okay. And uh, I like K-State. And TCU I like KU. look good. I'm still not sold on Alex. No, Dillon. I don't think anybody. They shouldn't be either. I think that game kind of told you all what you needed to know. I think they did win, but it was not yeah. pretty. Pine Bluff? Yeah. I OSU think, plays. I thought they only had a basketball team that played OSU every <laughs> every October. I thought Pine Bluff was D2, to be honest with you. I didn't even realize I did, they were I was, I'm shocked. Um, James Madison, West Virginia, that game. West Virginia holds on in that one. Neil Brown has got you know walk into a situation that Dana Holgerson didn't leave much for. Austin Kendall was okay, not great. It's going to be a long season, it looks like. I, I think get, I think Kansas has got a good shot to win that game now, in a couple weeks. James Madison, I will tell you, they beat uh, – who did they beat? They beat Pitt not too long ago. Yes. They did. Which, I mean, Pitt, uh, you know, a great Aaron Donald's from there. Huh. Yes. Uh, James Conner. Thomas McVitie before he came to Kansas. Uh, there, well, there you go. So, Kansas. I mean yes. – James Madison is not – I think they're top of the FCS. They're one of the top teams. They I mean, are. but I get it. But Game day went to a uh, James Madison game a couple years ago. Right, back. but West Virginia had no business. The biggest surprise for me out of the Big 12 in week one was what K-State did. I thought, you know, this was a Nichols team that beat Kansas last year, has a good quarterback and uh, Chase Ford, Cade. You know, they were – they went to the – I believe it was the quarterfinal, the semifinal in the FCS playoffs so. last year. Good team. I thought Nichols was going to give K-State a bit of a challenge. Week one for Kurtz Kleiman. I think I thought K-State would win, maybe by a couple scores, but not by a whole lot. And K-State came out firing out Blank of the gates and ended up winning 49-14. Also, Skylar Thompson, first time in quite some time that it's been clear that he's the guy. And that made a difference. Skylar played well, and, and that could be the difference in K-State between this year and last year is the fact that they have a settled quarterback. And honestly, their defense still last year their defense was really good. Yeah. Um they got a bar speaking of Warren Bartles, they have a Bartlesville kid. Do they? Uh yeah, he's a starting I think I believe he's a starting corner. I am forgetting his AJ Parker. Okay. Is his name. He's I think he's a two years younger than you. Okay. And uh, I think he's got the start, so that's cool to see Bartles' little kid uh, playing. You know, got to play for Bill Snyder for a couple of years, and now they look pretty impressive. Uh, I think that OSU K State game at the end of this month might be pretty interesting. I think so. I think so. And that's uh, kind of a look around the Big Twelve. Tom, let's move on. NFL. The season starts this week. Thank goodness. Thursday night, the Bears and the Packers get things going. We're going to do our picks against the spread, NFL and college, coming up later on in the show. Um, and we got an in-depth breakdown of the NFL as a whole with, with Steve Weiss coming up here in, in just a few minutes. But you look at last year, it was the Patriots and the Rams in the Super Bowl. And that Final Four as a whole, the Saints and the Chiefs were both each a play away from being there. And so in the Chiefs' case in particular – and you can make the same case for the Saints, too. I think you're seeing, you're going to see both these teams come out with a chip on their shoulder, play with something to prove this season. I think that Chiefs team is going to come out knowing that, hey, we've been there before. We've lost in that situation. We know what it takes to get there now. 
And I think you're going to see a different Chiefs team. I think that is going to be – they're going to be the best team in the AFC. I have them winning the AFC. Um, but that, to me, is the team to watch for if you want to see an interesting storyline of some sort, somebody that's going to be different this year. That, to me, is going to push them just maybe even a little bit more, despite how good they already are. And I think the big difference is you take the old man out and you bring Steve Spagnuolo in and pair him with Andy Reid, and you got even Shady coming back. Well, he might not make a huge difference, but that's some veteran presence. I think that backfield now with Damian Williams, Williams, Shady, and Darwin Thompson, I would take that over last year's backfield of when you had Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware. Yeah, that's fair. You get another body in there, you're going to keep them fresh. If you can keep that running game going, uh, I mean, I don't see why. I think Williams and McCoy split the main load. And then Darwin Thompson gets the leftovers, and to me, that's a that's a great bunch. You, right, you, you got breakaway speed with all three guys. Right, I, yeah, I think they're pretty well set there. And I really, I think, I, I think the addition of Steve Spags, and and I don't like obviously Spags as a head coach. Uh, you got right there in the ring. yeah. We any team with Spags as a head coach besides the Giants has has felt that. Um, so him as a DC though him not being the head coach and I mean any any DC he's been at is he's done a pretty good job, yeah. um, and I think that's going to make a world of difference for the Chiefs this year. The biggest thing getting in the Chiefs' way is going to be what it is, always is is New England. I think um, you have to think. I mean, who else? They lost Gronk. I get that, but Indy doesn't have Andrew Luck. The Texans. I'm never going to buy into that team until I see it with my own eyes because they've disappointed one too many times. Um, I mean, you know, the Browns, I still think they're going to make the playoffs, but still a year away from being a championship threat. Pittsburgh doesn't have a good enough defense. I think it's going to be either KC or New England once again. And New England, despite losing Gronk, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady always find a way to get through those situations. And they were essentially, if you want to do the Final Four, they were the fourth seed last year. Yeah. They were the, I mean, if looking on paper, they were the fourth best team out of four. They would not have been favored in any of the matchups of the, that Final Four. No, no. If Yeah, if they would have played the, the Rams, they weren't favored. Were they? They weren't favored. No. no. The Rams were favored. If the Saints would have been favored. Yeah, and, and the, the Chiefs were favored and, yeah. too. And they come out and blank the Rams, and you give two weeks to Belichick. He's going to outsmart a coach like McVay. As good of a coach McVay is, still young, still a lot of learning to do. Um, and, and you know, while having Wade Phillips, Gronk went out on top. Uh, Edelman, I don't know how or why they couldn't stop him. Um, I mean, he's oddly that good. Uh, they usually have one of those that's that good. Josh Gordon's coming back this year yeah. for him. Uh, Demarius Thomas, we're going to find out. He was cut, but then they said they're, they got him for bring, cheap. they're bringing him back. They tried to, they were trying to make a roster spot and work out the little Tetris kink, so he's coming back. Demarius Thomas with Tom Brady. Last time Demarius Thomas had a good quarterback, it was Peyton Manning. Look what they did. Right. You know, even with noodle arm, Peyton Manning. Right. Uh, so, I, I mean, that's not – Super bold to say. Look at Demarius Thomas with Tim Tebow. Right, yeah, yeah, you know the pain of that one. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the AFC is all about the Chiefs and the Patriots. Um, you go to the NFC side, Tom, and, and that bunch, your Rams look really good again. Eric Weddle, addition of Eric Weddle. Yeah. Clay Matthews, too. He's kind of washed a little bit, but veteran do, presence. Do you think – you look at – they were – 
Okay, 10 points away from tying the Patriots, 11 from a win last year. Do you think they've done enough to get them over that next edge? And, and also not to mention, I think experience played a part of it too. Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, those guys had never been there. Sean McVay had never coached in there. Do you think that they've done enough to improve that roster and learned enough from a year ago to get that team over the edge? You know, I really think so. You got your Bears there, the Eagles. Well, it's kind of dependent on Carson Wentz. Uh, the NFC West is obviously going to be a little bit tougher this year. The Seahawks, they just keep I, finding a way to stay relevant. I think the Eagles, when healthy with Carson Wentz, are the most talented offense in the NFC. That's fair. But now with his injury, what I mean, we're going to find out. A couple of hits on him and, you know, his... I really like bringing in Deshaun Jackson Yeah, to add into the bunch that you already have with Alshon Jeffrey and uh, uh, the the big fellow they have. Yeah, oh, Ertz. Ertz, oh, Ertz yes. too. And then yes. there's another. I forget the other guy's name. Uh, but, yeah, I mean. Nelson that, Aguilar. Oh, Aguilar, that's right. Uh, yeah, so they're, I mean, they're going to be right there. I mean, the NFC is, there's more. Obviously, the Saints. Michael Thomas got that huge contract, and, and it was kind of a. Uh, Questionable to see how Drew Brees would come back at forty. He played that one that one preseason drive and was like, "Hey, I still got it." Right. Uh, how many more years can Brees play? I mean, maybe this the window is shutting, and I don't know who they else have at quarterback. They got Teddy Bridgewater now. Okay, I guess they have Bridgewater, but and, I don't think he's leading. No, but I will say though, if something happens to Brees, if he's out a couple games, they're going to be fine. I mean, with Teddy. Camara. I mean, you got Kamara. I mean, all you got to do is throw him a little out route and I mean, take it to the house. We're so forgetful sometimes. Remember, Teddy Bridgewater took the Vikings to the postseason. He did, yeah. I'm not hating on Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. He's just not in the same combo as... Oh, as... Uh, of course, of course. But if, if Breeze is out for a while, I still think Teddy... Let's say that Teddy had to start, just for all intents and purposes, six games... Or even eight games. I think they win. They could still finish as the third or fourth seed. I think they would go five hundred in those. Maybe one game over five hundred. If he let's say that he started six games, I think I could confidently say the Saints go four and two or five and one. Five and one would be pushing. It depends on the opponent, right? I mean, I don't even know their. I don't even know their schedule. I'm not even sure who they're matched up with. But I mean, if you get to play the freaking Dolphins. Right. I mean, you you know, you be set to that's go. That's a dumpster fire. Oh, I mean, that's bad. So, They're tanking right now. I, mean, I don't. I, I kind of. I feel bad for Josh Rosen. A He's not bit. even starting. It chose I, to I start know the Fitzpatrick. Fitz yeah, I know. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. But uh, um, how about this, uh, Zeke? Six years, ninety million dollars. Do you like that move? I mean, for Zeke, I'm sure. For Dallas, they didn't really have a choice. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. They didn't really have a choice. I don't think Dallas is ever getting past the divisional round as long as mm. Dak Prescott's their quarterback. And as long as Jason Garrett's the coach. And Kellen Moore's now OC. Like, that's going to work right, out I mean, well. That's about as good as Scott Linehan. <laughs> I mean, that's that's bad. And I don't know. I mean, for OU fans, you got to kind of watch Dallas. I thought about it. Because if they suck, right? Lincoln Riley's getting a phone call. You know, the, the best... Pro football coach in Dallas is coaching their XFL team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they would probably trade Jason Garrett for Bob Stoops. In a hot minute. I think they probably would. Um, but Dallas, I think it's going to be – they'll be a playoff team, but they're not going to win that division. They won't get past the divisional round, and it'll be what we've seen every year from Dallas. It's the Jason Garrett way. 
Is he? What is it? What is he? What's his? Uh, Clapping hands. He's the yes, yes, yes. Let's go win one playoff game. Right. Let's go win the wild card. So I can shore up another five-year contract. Right. Yeah, that's how it is in Dallas, or until Jerry Jones dies. I don't understand how Jerry Jones can fire Tom Landry, Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer, but just love Jason Garrett. I wonder who's going to I wonder if Boone Pickens is going to kick the bucket first, or I wonder if Jerry Jones will. Right. Boone Pickens, you know, he's speaking. I know this is a little off topic, but we're talking about two old heads here. Yeah. I don't know how old Jerry Jones is. He's got to be in his 80s. You want to guess? I'm going to guess 80. 83. You're good at guessing where people were from. Let's find out your age skills. Oh, we, still, we still need not to as, do... Not as good. 76. Okay, well, he's, he's aged. Do you have a guess on Boone Pickens? He, I already know this because I read his, Insta, or his, not his Instagram. I wish he had an Instagram. He's 91. That's correct. He is 91. He's still got a hell of a writing ability. I don't know if he's the one doing the typing or if he's just talking. Uh, but he's still pretty coherent at 91. So so I got the Chiefs winning the AFC. Who you got winning the NFC? I just take a guess. You going with the Rams? I mean, yeah. Okay, I'm going with the Bears. Are you going with the Chiefs and the AFC? Too? It's either going to be the Chiefs or Patriots. Just for Pick one, just for what I want to see and what I think is going to happen, and I hope. Oh, it's the Chiefs. I want to okay. see the best game last year was the Rams and the Chiefs. That was incredible. That was the best Monday Night Football. It was the best. Yes, it was the best game that I've seen in a long time. It felt like Big Twelve football because it was. of the point. I mean, it was. I, w- I mean, we're going to look back, and they're going to do like games of the decade. I guarantee you this is top one or two. has to be. I can't remember a game that I'm thinking back that was like, damn, that was so good. So do you have your Rammies winning it all? Uh, I mean, I just got to roll with them. Okay. I got to roll with them. You know, as much as I love this Chiefs team, there is one team I love slightly more, and that's the Chicago Bears. I got the Bears winning the Super Bowl. Trubisky. Trubisky. I no, think Trubisky's going to take some big steps this year. I'm not Adding a David Montgomery to that backfield is going to be a huge help. And that defense. Khalil Mack, He's we're going to be best. talking about this guy in the MVP discussion. No, the Aaron Donald's going to set the sack record over Strahan and get the first. He's going to be the third defensive player to win the MVP this year. Really? It's going to happen. Who is it? Lawrence Taylor? Who's the other one? I can't um, think of his name. It's some... I, I, I know there's one more, though. So, Lawrence Taylor was the first to win it. Okay. Ray Lewis never won an MVP. No. He won Super Bowl MVP. Right. MVP. Right. You know, as good as Ray Lewis was, I don't think he was ever the caliber of, like, that caliber. Right. I mean, Erlacher was every bit as good as Ray Lewis. Yes. He absolutely. was. He really was. He just didn't. They, the Bears never had the, they never just had the oomph. That the Ravens ended up having. All right. Um, Lawrence Taylor is the only defensive player to ever win the MVP. Oh, wait. That's from the pro football writers. Let's see if there's another one. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I think there's got to be one more. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing another one. There's got to be one more. All right, folks. Let us know if you find out. We'll get it. We'll get back to it. <laughs> In the meantime, though, let's talk to Steve Weiss and the NFL Network. More about the Chiefs and more about this NFL season ahead right here on the Jones Report. The start of the NFL season is upon us. And to break it all down, he is Steve Weiss from the NFL Network joining us right now. Steve, how many years is this for you now covering the National Football League? Oh, my God. I think I'm about 16 or 17. You know, I, I started out with the Dolphins in the mid-90s, and I took a, a seven-year hiatus to cover the NBA. 
um, and then picked it back up nonstop in 05. So what? Yeah, so about, God, more like 18 or 19 years. That's time awesome. Flies. Yeah, time flies. You're having fun, Tyler. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> and, and Steve, this is such an exciting season coming up. There's so many storylines and so many angles to go with this season. And right here in Kansas City, a lot of excitement uh, about this Kansas City Chiefs team that came close a year ago and now has Super Bowl aspirations on their mind. Yeah, I mean, there should be a lot of excitement. And then, you know, this flash weekend, them signing Shady McCoy. I mean, that's a game changer. I mean, some people are going to point out the last year's yards for carry were, were so-and-so. He was playing on, on, a, on a bad off, a team with a bad offensive line and that teams didn't respect. Okay, now he's coming to an offense that's so wide open. Um, he can catch the ball. He's familiar with Andy Reid. And, and the gravitas he has. I mean, when teams go into game plan against the Chiefs, he will be a factor. I mean, he'll be someone to have to game plan against, and that's just going to open up the offense so much more. So, yeah, people should be excited in Kansas City. They just got to figure out uh, how to stop some folks. You know, that that's the big deal. Get They had a lot of takeaways and sacks last year, but now they just got to get other teams off the field so that offense can work. That defense that you mentioned there, they brought in Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew in the offseason. Steve Spagnola comes in as the new defensive coordinator as well. Do you think they made enough changes to get this team over the top? We'll see. I mean, they still have Chris Jones. I mean, they, they've got players. And one thing about Spags, he does not like to blitz. He is a rush with four, cover with seven type of guy. And, you know, speed is huge, and you've got to have playmaking safety. I mean, think about Entrell Roll was considered kind of a strong safety, but, you know, he could play free. And that's the role Tyron Matthews going to make. I mean, this guy's a big hitter. He's always around the ball. Um, he has a lot of picks. He disrupts a lot of plays. They just got to be able to get pressure with four. And that's a huge question mark, uh, you know, of what they're going to be able to do. But Frank Clark is a monster. You can move him inside. You can keep him outside. I mean, he's a hell of a player, just a fantastic player. Um, and, again, Chris Jones – you know, we'll, we'll see if they have enough, but but Spags will have them very disciplined, um, and and they're not going to give up a lot of big plays. That's something that's kind of a staple. Steve, uh, offensively, Patrick Mahomes coming off his MVP season a year ago, and he, he was so incredible. That's going to be hard to duplicate per se. But uh, do you, do you think he's bound to have another fantastic season uh, with this this Chiefs group? Yes, I mean, look, it's going to be hard to duplicate the, the touchdowns. I mean, that number is insane. And, you know, now that they've got a two-headed monster in the backfield with Shady and Damian Williams, look, they may run the ball a little bit more when they get inside the 10-yard line. But all the weapons, I mean, not losing Tyreek Hill, having him around for all 16, having Travis Kelsey around, you know, you know, Sammy Watkins has got to do something for him this year. If he can stay healthy, again, you know, it's just you know, an abundance of riches. And then you've got Pat Mahomes who – can do everything. And, you know, I was speaking to Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, this offseason, and he said the reason why you know, Mahomes was so magical last year was he did a lot of things off schedule. He's like, if he did those plays on schedule, he'd be even better. And that's what they've been working on all offseason. Find your read, hit it, and get it out before you have to scramble and just try to come up with some of these spectacular plays. Get the ball in the hands of your playmakers and let them do the work, let them take the hits. And he could be a, a just a much more efficient player on top of a dynamic player. That uh, offense, it was so good a year ago, and yet they somehow got better with the weapons they added. You mentioned LaShawn McCoy in that backfield to go along with 
Uh, and you know, Damian Williams and the rookie running back, uh, Darwin Thompson. But yep. uh, that receiving core, McCole Hardman, has looked impressive in the preseason. Blake Bell looks to be a nice addition as that number two or three tight end. I mean, th- th- this group somehow improved. They were already good before. That, that that group is even more dangerous now. Well, let's not forget they've got a good offensive line. Right. You know, that's that's like the, the most important part of everything. I mean, they've got people who can protect. They've got people who can run block. Andy Reid is a master of, of angles, um, you know, whether it's along the line of scrimmage, whether it's, it's in the run game, whether it's in the short passing game, whether it's in the intermediate deep passing game. He's got so many chips to play with. I mean, I'm sure every night he goes home, him and Eric Bieniemy, thinking of ways of, to, you know, just to capitalize on all of the talent they have against the teams they face. I mean, it's, it's going to be an abundance of riches, and it's going to be one guy one week, it's going to be one guy another week. Because they just have that much talent, and they've got you know such great play schemers and play designers with Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, so much speed on that team uh, that that offensive line is going to get to work with in those skill positions. <clears throat> it's going to be fun to see. Steve, uh, the talk of this entire offseason was about Tyreek Hill, and ultimately. He did not get suspended. He sat out for the off-season activities, but he was back in time for training camp and, and everything. Were you surprised with uh, how that ultimately all played out with Tyreek? Yeah, I, I was. I mean, I thought at the very least, I had heard some things all along um, where, you know, his his role in some of these things might have been uh, exaggerated publicly. But at the same time, he does have a history. At the same time, we did hear that threat uh, on that recorded phone conversation, right. the threat he made against the, the mother of his child, that I thought that paired with his history with her um, would would get him at least two games suspension. Um, but the fact that um, the league investigated and they found out that you know they found out whatever they they found out and ruled whatever they ruled, um, you know it, it upset a lot of people, except for Chiefs fans, I'm sure, and. Um, you know, you, you I, I, I don't know all the details behind that part, but I, I was surprised that he did not get parked for at least two games. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, it, it seems like based on what we've seen from the league as far as that <clears throat> personal conduct policy, that that would be a violation of sorts. But they went another direction and, and uh, we move on there. That division, the Chargers are there coming off a very good season. Uh, you know, of course, the Raiders and John Gruden are making some some changes. That bunch, Denver brings in Joe Flacco and company. Uh, where do you see that division playing out? Do you, do you think the Chiefs win that pretty handily, or do you think they get a challenge from the Chargers or Raiders or somebody in that group? Oh, they're going to get a challenge from the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers are loaded. Even, even with Derwin James out uh, for a little bit, and we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, with Melvin Gordon, uh, the running back, they're they're going to be good. I mean, they they've got some adequate running backs to fill in for Gordon. They're you know they're not he, they're not the same threat, but they've got so many receiving options. You know, with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, the tight end is back. My big concern for the in that right tackle spot was a little iffy, um, but defensively they are just loaded. I mean, they have got depth. They have got front line talent. Adding somebody like Thomas Davis, a veteran outside linebacker from Carolina, is going to help them constant, you know, compensate a little bit for losing Derwin James. But they're going to be good. I mean, Denver defensively is going to be pretty strong. Um, they're just they've got some holes. That offensive line is a big concern. Uh, you know, they, their receivers are okay. Cortland Sutton's fine. Emmanuel Sanders is fine. Vic Fangio is going to have that defense top notch with those pass rushers and the, the safeties. 
safeties in a Vic Fangio defense always emerge, you know, to be some among the, the best tandems in the NFL. Oakland is a team I, I'm not as excited about them. I, they, they've got to really show me something. You know, they've got AB, they've got Derek Carr. Um, you know, they made some moves on the offensive line to be better, but I just I, I need to see it. There's just something about some things I'm hearing from there where they, they just don't seem to all be pulling in the right direction yet. You know, John Gruden, who I think is a hell of a coach, I think if you can get him going. Um, they've got the talent to be good, but I don't think not good, not, not good enough to challenge the Chiefs or the Chargers. Steve, uh, let's go around the, the league a little bit. Uh, the, the biggest news in the last couple of weeks has been that of Andrew Luck announcing his retirement. What did you make of his decision to go ahead and hang it up with just a couple of weeks before the season begins? Yeah, I mean, I respected it. Um, if I were a teammate of his, I would respect it, but I'd also feel hurt in terms of the timing of it. But maybe, you know, look, we don't know. Maybe he thought all along this injury was going to get better. Like he, maybe the doctors kept telling him, you're close, you're close. And it just never got as close as he thought. And, you know, the one thing with, with all of this talk, and I'm not necessarily suggesting this is the case, but with all the talk we're hearing now about mental health and athletes, when I heard Andrew Luck come out in his news conference and say, I was in a dark place and I didn't want to go back there, that's when I was like, you know what? He doesn't. He does not need to jeopardize anything about his physical or mental health. If that thought ever pops into your head, you know, someone who's played the game, not at the NFL level, but on the collegiate level, if you're not all the way in, you don't need to be in at all because this is a sport that that really taxes you in a lot of ways. And it just got the best of him, you know, physically and mentally. Yeah, yeah, I, I get you there. Uh, no, no doubt about that. And uh, Jacoby Brissett uh, appears to be the starter for that team going forward. They also brought in Brian Hoyer as well. What, what do you make of the, the Colts' situation going forward now with that quarterback position and where their season uh, projects now? Yeah, I mean they're going to be good. I mean they, they've got talent every you know at every other position. That's the one great thing Chris Ballard has done is really stacked that team. Um, you know, look, maybe they win the division. That division is up for grabs. Houston's got the best quarterback, but when you look at the rest of the supporting cast, you know, they've got D-Hop and, and a lot of other talented receivers. Now they got Kenny Stills, um, but some other spots. We'll see. I mean, that's going to be a great, great division. I think it's going to be neck and neck. I mean, talking to some players around the NFL, I think the Colts will be good, just not Super Bowl good like they could have been with Andrew Luck. The uh, Cowboys, Pierce, they have a deal with uh, Zeke in place. Looks like six years, $90 million was the uh, last report I saw there. Uh, and, you know, of course, they're working on trying to get something done with Dak, too. Where, where's the Cowboys stand at everything right now? Do you think that they've gotten stuff settled where they can, uh, you know, get back to focus on the football field again? Or do you think this stuff is still kind of lingering a bit? Well, I mean, I think the people who aren't thinking about the football field are the media and the public just because these contracts are there and the Cowboys, the Cowboys. But, um, you know, look, if they get Zeke in for week one, if they get this taken care of, fantastic. I mean, they're giving money out like crazy. They, they, they took care of Jalen Smith. They, they just took care of Lael Collins, the guard. I mean, they're finding ways. Um, we'll see about Dak Prescott. So let's see if they have enough cash for him. Mari Cooper looks like he's going to have to wait until after the season, but they should be good. I mean, the one thing, you know, we're the ones talking about the contract, but the Cowboys' defense is going to be fantastic. You know, their they're quasi-defensive coordinator, Chris Richard, along with Rod Nelly, but Richard's probably going to be a head coach next year. Um, they've just got so much talent, the best linebacking crew in the NFL. That's going to really help out this offense. And, again, if they get Zeke, they're going to be 
you know, they're going to be right there at the end. It's going to be with them in Philadelphia and the NFC East. It'll be interesting to see who wins that division. And if there's a, if either one of them will be good enough to be a wild card, I think both teams are. There's just some other teams in other divisions in the NFC that could also challenge. Tom Brady coming off a, a Super Bowl victory a year ago with uh, his his <clears throat> Patriots squad that'll open up against the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up on Sunday night. What do you make of the uh, the reigning Super Bowl champs, uh, Brady and Belichick, back to go at it once again? Well, same thing we said, we've said the last five years. Like, man, they've lost this guy. They've lost Gronk. God, their offensive line's not good. Uh, where's the pass rusher? And they always figure it out. Like, let's say they come out and they lose to the Steelers in the opener. Oh, man, it's just the end. Well, no. I mean, the Steelers have all – I mean, the Patriots have always used September as kind of their preseason to kind of figure things out a little bit. And then they get rolling. So the, the Patriots are going to be fine until, until I mean, we have thought of every way for them to, to be knocked off their purge, self-inflicted, whatever, and they find a way. So, you know, I, I just there, – there's nothing I can say to make me not think the Patriots will be there at the end playing in that AFC championship game. They always find a way, it seems. Uh, that that group is uh, something special, to uh, to say the least there. The, the, the other team that's drawn a lot of headlines, the AFC, the Browns, and Baker Mayfield had such an impressive rookie campaign. Brings in Odell Beckham, Kareem Hunt as well, a number of guys there. A lot of characters there in Cleveland, Steve. Do you think that they can come together as a unit? What do you make of that bunch and their chances of winning the AFC North? Well, we'll see. You know, I was actually with the Browns Monday and speaking to people there. They said the one thing that's that's most exciting about this team isn't the talent, but it is the fact that they're all entering the season pulling in the same direction. I mean, the guys really like each other. Um, they spend a tremendous amount of time with each other off the field. I mean, there's no backbiting going on or the, or the envy, even though they have all of this talent. Um, now, will that be the case if they're if they start out? Two and three, we'll see. Um, they've got a brutal first six games. I mean, their schedule is is just it's as tough as any team could could, could have drawn in the NFL. So we'll see. I, I think they're going to be a fantastic team, but I'm not talking because of the offense, Tyler. Their defense. No one is talking about. You've got Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon mm-hmm. on the ends, right? These are two guys who just absolutely compete every play. And then inside, you've got Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi. Ogan Joby should have probably been in a Pro Bowl already. He's the only one of those four who hasn't been. They're loaded up front. And then on the back end, you've got Denzel Ward, you've got Greedy Williams, you've got Demarius Randall, Morgan Burnett comes over uh, to play that strong seed. They've got a ton of depth and just incredible front six, front seven talent that they're going to get takeaways. They're going to get you know a lot of tackles for loss. And they're going to get that offense the ball. And that's why I think Cleveland is the biggest threat in that division. Well, and, and Steve, I look at I like the talent on both sides of the ball. As you mentioned, that defense spectacular. Offensively, they're really good there. But my question is Freddie Kitchens. I mean, he was only offensive coordinator for just a few games last year. He did a good job, but this guy has not been a coordinator very long, let alone a head coach. You know, this is his first time being a head coach. The jury's still kind of out on, on Freddie Kitchens at this point. We could say the same thing about Andy Reid, who was not a coordinator when he took the job. I mean, we, we can go down the list, but, but I mean, you're right. That is the big question, Mark. When you assemble this many big personalities and you see a team that, has, that for 20 years was the butt of every NFL joke, 
have a spike. Remember, they didn't have a winning record last year. So with seven, eight, and one was a spike for them. It, it, success. And then you, you change coaches and you bring in somebody who really doesn't have the resume um, other than being, you know, a tough guy, highly respected, came up under Bruce Arians, highly respected, in, you know, in, in coaching circles as being, you know, just a very good leader. Okay, when I when I talk to you about Freddie Kitchens, it's not <clears throat> he's a great play designer. He's a, he's, he's a great play schemer. Even though we saw last year what they did the offense, he's both. Uh, um, but man, he he gets guys' attention. You know, he he leans on guys the right way to get them play their, playing their best. We'll see if he can do that collectively because he hasn't been there. But again, we've seen so many examples uh, of coaches stepping into situations like this. You know, and and, and doing just fine. We see a lot of failures too. Um, and, and that's that's a great point by you, though. I mean, that could be the, the biggest question mark hanging over this team. Yeah, and, and I like Freddie, too. I, I just want to see a little bit more. It's nothing personal or anything. I just want to see a little bit more uh, from Freddie. But that's going to be a fun team to watch uh, this year. Uh, Arizona, new uh, head coach in Cliff Kingsbury, new quarterback in Kyler Murray, who they use with that number one overall pick, bringing in the air raid scheme at all, too. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of work to be done with that group, in particular with that offensive line, but uh, they, they do have their plan going forward with those two. What do you make of that combination of Cliff and, and a Kyler there in Arizona? Yeah, with the interesting part in talking to folks around the league, and I've spent a lot of time with the Cardinals as well this offseason, everybody knows they've got the dynamic quarterback. I mean, Kyler Murray, yeah, he's short, but man, he can throw it, he can run, he's incredibly cerebral, but it's kind of, I think back to when Steve Spurrier came to the NFL for, with Washington after all those years in Florida with the supposed scheme that, you know, that's going to have so many pre-snap tells, you don't even have to audible half the time. And it was a disaster, right? So I think we're all waiting to see if the stuff that Kingsbury's going to try to implement, if it's sustainable, some of the tempo things he's trying to do, some of the four wide, um, one running back, or four wide, no running can this lack of protection just by scheme, you know, allow this offense to work? I mean, there's going to be some explosive plays, um, but when they get inside the 20, are they going to be able to score? So a lot of people are waiting to see, but I mean, the consistent conversation I, I've heard is that Kyler Murray is, is, is a special player. Now, can everything else around him work well enough for him to be that, that guy? I mean, that, that's the big question with that offense. Steve, as a Big 12 guy, I just love seeing, you know, Kyler go number one to Arizona. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield having the success that he had in his rookie year in Cleveland. Patrick Mahomes, of course, uh, right here in Kansas City. I mean, we're, we're seeing where these Big 12 quarterbacks coming from these air raid schemes were kind of pushed aside for years, and now they're really rising a bit. They're, they're getting those opportunities, and, and so far between Baker and Mahomes, they, they've really – uh, excelled in, in those schemes of what they, they've been at. And maybe that opens up or opportunities up for more guys that play in those schemes that they were at, at uh, in, in the Big 12. Well, I mean, it should because the change isn't so much. Remember, just seven or eight years ago, he's a scheme guy. He's a scheme guy. He's coming out of that Mike Leach system. You know, He's coming out of putting up big numbers and this and that. Well, what, what's happened? Those schemes are coming to the NFL now. Right. The NFL is running more of that. So, you know, that's why you're seeing teams carry two, you know, they're only playing two linebackers now, and they're playing five DBs all the time. You know, the importance on the hybrid safety, you know, the Derwin James types of safeties is huge defensively to combat these guys. You know, the six-foot quarterback, not an issue anymore. 
right? You know, you right. get six foot, not an issue anymore because now we're playing geometry. We're spacing things out by wide offensive line splits and, and, and things to spread out the defense. So that's why you're going to see a lot more of these quarterbacks have successes, the incorporation of different variations of the RPO game. I mean, from what Clemson does to the inside run scheme Mm -hmm. to what Alabama does, which is an outside-the-tackle run-pass scheme. So all that's in the NFL now, and that's why we're seeing so much more early success from quarterbacks. Watch, even someone like Lamar Jackson in Baltimore this year, because I've been around that team a little bit, Yeah. watch how much more effective he is going to be now that he's a full-time starter. And by the way, that's a dangerous team that nobody's talking about. Yeah, I think so. I think so. That's a, that, that's a group to watch out for, for sure. That Baltimore defense is still a very good unit That as offense, well. I'm telling you, the offense is going to be good, man. Yeah. Not, not just the D. That offense, they're, they're going to have some fireworks for everybody. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, Steve, uh, you're, you're historian of the game. This year being the 100th season of the NFL, such a big deal. Going to open up the year with the Bears and Packers, the oldest rivalry in the sport, and a celebration that's going to go on all season long. You guys are already all over it on uh, the NFL Network as well. Uh, just tell me, how excited are you about just this celebration as it continues throughout the season of this 100 years? I mean, it's awesome just to recognize you know, the history from, you know, Jim Thorpe to Fritz Pollard to you talk about the, the great rivalries. You know, you think about the Bears and the Packers, you know, Buckus and Ditka and Paul Horning and Lombardi and Hallis. You know, there's just so much history and so many important people who, you know, that have kind of fallen to the wayside in our, in our mindset that are going to be brought back, you know, to the memories, you know, the Deacon Joneses of the world. Um, just so many players whose shoulders today's players stand on. And I think that's going to be so great. Some of the things we have at the network, like we've got uh, a series coming up later in the year where we take some of the greatest players at every position, like the five linebackers. It'll have Lawrence Taylor and Mike Singletary and Harry Carson and Willie Lynn here and and they just sit around and chop it up. I mean, some of the things that, that are coming the way to recognize 100 years of, of the NFL are so special. And the fans are for a trip. That's exciting. Let's just hope that the mark. Yeah, let's hope the marquee players stay healthy so what happens on the field is, is equally as tantalizing. Exactly, exactly. That'll be uh, so cool to see, and, and I'm excited about it, uh, just to see all that, that comes together of this uh, this whole season as a whole. Uh, Steve, uh, a couple more things before we let you run here. Uh who who is your your Super Bowl pick? Do you have playing in the uh, Super Bowl, or would you rather plug a link to a uh, a website that might have this? No, no, I, I I like the Chiefs and the Saints. I think the Chiefs and the Saints, um, are my team. Chiefs better get home field again, but I I think I really like those teams. Even though the NFC, it's just so open. You know, I think the Vikings are going to be a team no one's really talking about. That that's going to be there at the end. The Rams aren't going away. Seattle, now they got Clowney. Um, they're going to be there. But I think, look, I mean, the Chiefs were, you know, they're one play away, you know, from going just like the Jags were one play away from last year. You clean up some of the mistakes, you got a shot to beat New England. But I, but I think the Saints, the Saints and Chiefs are going to make it this year. Uh, that's great. Uh, I, I got the Chiefs in the Super Bowl as well. Uh, I, I got the Bears, though, on the NFC side. Uh, I'm not nearly as high on the Bears as a lot of people are, man. Okay. I, I, I think they're going to be good. But, you know, we see some of these teams – Make a big, you know, make that quick bounce. 
you know, it's hard. Like the Rams show that they can do it. Yeah. I just, there's something about their lack of big playability sure. on offense. Now on defense, they've got it. But I'm just not as high on them as, as a lot of other people are. But that's just me. I'm really high on their, their draft pick of David Montgomery out of Love Iowa him. State. I think that's what that piece that they were missing they didn't have a year ago, besides just the kicking game itself. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that alone, that could really change some things for the Bears. But it should be fun. If you had to pick between KC or New Orleans, uh, who, who would you pick to win it all? Oof. That's tough. I mean, I probably have to say the Chiefs, man. I mean, again, you know, I'm a, you can tell I'm, I'm a defensive-slanted guy. You just made a lot of friends out here yeah, in, in KC. The thing is, I'm a defensive-slanted guy in New Orleans defense. Is, is You know, again, we think of them as an offensive team. They're so loaded on defense. They're so stacked on defense. Um, that'll be a problem. But, yeah, as of right now, if Pat Mahomes stays healthy, I just think he's going to – that guy's going to run the NFL for the next 10, 12 years, so I, I would probably see the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a fun combo, no doubt about that, him and Andy together, uh, especially whenever the day finally does come of the end of Brady and Belichick. I think that's the next group we're talking about leading this league uh, throughout the next decade or so. But, uh, Steve, before we let you go, uh, what, what's coming up for you on, on NFL Network and, and some of the things you're working on here as we uh, start this season, Steve? Yeah, it's our look as we're going to week one. You know, we'll be we'll be discussing uh, you know a, a lot of things. I will be at the Lions Arizona Cardinals opener on Sunday. Uh, Kyler Murray watch, and then every Monday uh, coming up at I want to say two o'clock Central Time, you will see me, Mike Silver, Rhett Lewis, and Daniel Jeremiah on the aftermath. It's the best recap show of what happened Sunday and what's going to happen Monday night that you'll see. Really smart, high IQ, very informed uh, conversations going on there. So that'll be the consistent the consistent thing we'll have coming up in this 100th season. That's awesome. Looking forward to it. Steve, as always, appreciate the time. Best of luck and enjoy the season, my friend. You're the man, Tyler. All the best. We continue here on the Jones Report. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges back here with you now. Big thanks to Steve Weish of the NFL Network for joining us here on the program today. And, uh, Tom, before we get out here today, we got Tom Fullery coming up here in just a few minutes. A great story involving a Whataburger. We'll leave it at that. That's coming up for you here in just a few minutes. But each and every week here on the Jones Report, from here on out, we will do our uh, weekly Pick'em Pigskin Picks Against the Spread, where we'll pick five college games and five pro games in an effort to pick 10 games every week, we'll do it as long as we can. Obviously, that number will reduce when you get into bowl season. and hey, We NFL just started week one. Don't, don't put that in the air. We'll get I don't want to think about the end just yet. <laughs> um, week one, by the way, to give a little update, uh, not my best effort. I was 5-5, five and five, which means I came out even. Didn't lose any money, per se. Um, Tommy came out 6-4. and four. And then our other guys, uh, Billy Locke, he was the best of us. He went 8-2. and two. His only losses were he picked Oklahoma and Virginia Tech to cover. He won every other game. Uh, Derek Harris went 7-3. and three. Reed went 6-4 and four as well. Reed Williams, our photographer here at Tyler Jones Media Group. And then uh, the one and only Brian Nolan went 4-6. and six. <coughs> Rough start for uh, Mr. Nolan. I, I thought you were going to say something. Oh, you know, I just had to take a moment of silence for Brian Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> As we all, it's probably going to continue. I don't really see uh, 
There's you, no end You in sight. showed improvement from last year. Nolan sadly has not. Oh, uh, there's no end in sight. He did get Boise State right. He did. He did. But uh, actually, no, he didn't. He no, picked Florida State. Oh, that's what you get against picking against your own team. <laughs> I would never. That sucker. Um, let's go ahead and get to uh, this week's picks. Tom, we got a great slate of games on head on on tap. Let's start out with the uh, college slate. LSU and Texas. LSU number six in the country. Texas is number nine. Texas coming off a uh, decent win last week against Louisiana Tech. They didn't lose to Maryland week one for once. I <laughs> think now they didn't schedule. Right? They, they probably would have lost to that 79-point Maryland win. I mean, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, LSU comes in with Joe Burrow and company. They're off a win last week. Big year for Orgeron and his crew. I think ultimately, Tom, this is going to be the end of Ed Orgeron as we know it. I don't think he's going to have a job there at the end of this season. I, I think he's going to be gone. And uh, I like Texas to win this one. I don't feel confident in saying that. But because I have Texas winning, I think this is an easy pick as far as picks go. Texas is a five-and-a-half-point underdog. And I like them to not only cover at home, I like Texas to win this game outright. So you give me Texas and then five-and-a-half points to work with, I think that's easy money. Do you think so? See, I'm kind of back and forth. And Tech, so are my picks. I can flip-flop till Thursday at 5. Uh, well, if you say it on the show, you got to stick with it on the show. Because this is where this is where the money is made. That is very true. See, that's why I held off today on making the college. My NFL picks are in the money. And we'll get there, those in a bit. There are a few that I feel like, and this is one that I'm going to flip-flop until about Thursday at 4.30 on. Because I do like Texas to cover. I don't know about Texas winning, but then I can see LSU winning by seven. But you're only picking the cover right now. Right. So, to me, that's what I see in this one. Like I like Texas to cover. Okay. I can't say Texas is going to win outright win. Yeah, we're going to pick the cover. Right. We're only picking the right. So, right now, I'm at Texas cover. Or, I'm at... Yes, Texas covering. So you got Texas to, to cover that one. I like Texas, too, at five and a half and win it outright. But you're not sold on them winning this game outright, per se. No, I can't be sold just yet. I haven't done enough research. Okay. If it would have been an LSU, how would you feel? If it would have been at LSU, um, would have been very close. Um, it's hard to imagine Texas winning a game like this on the road, per se. But, uh, I mean, this game, Tom, to me, I'm picking this – not so much saying Texas is back, per se. I'm picking this more so as a shot at LSU. You don't think LSU is going to be – so you think when you said Coach O not being back next year, you don't think that's just to him, you know, them just deciding to move on from him or think they can get someone better. You think he's going to be that bad that they're going to kick him to the curb? Yes. Yes, really? I do. I do. This is going to be the end of Coach O there at LSU. Uh, Coleman right now. Next game, Texas A&M and Clemson. This was a very good game at Kyle Field last year, and Texas A&M wasn't that good, to be honest with you. This is Clemson's toughest test of the year, going up against Kellen Mond and company. He's a very good young quarterback there at A&M. Jimbo Fisher's got this program going in the right direction. Going into Death Valley, though, the other Death Valley, that is, Clemson's Death Valley, Tough test for a young quarterback, a team that's got a lot to prove. I think A&M is probably about the third best team in the SEC, to be honest with you. 
Um, I think that Clemson wins this game. And even if they do lose this game, probably their only loss of the year. They'll probably still make the playoff and be just fine. I think Clemson wins, maybe even by two scores. But I still think A&M's going to find a way to get within 17 and a half. I don't think that's asking a crazy amount for the number 12 team in the country to say, hey, can you keep it within 17 and a half? I think A&M can do that. Right, and, and if it was 16 and a half, I would be hesitant or more apt, probably is a better term, to pick Clemson in this game. That said, I will pick A&M. I don't think I think they'll cover, but I don't think I could see Clemson That's winning. That's too many points. Right, it's too many. Like I said, if it's sixteen and a half, I could see Clemson winning by seventeen, but one more point. I mean, that's that's how Vegas makes their money. Stanford taking on USC. Stanford won against Northwestern last week, seventeen to seven, and uh, USC in the process. They uh, lost their starting quarterback in their win, JT Daniels. He is going to be out. For the season, Keldon uh, Salavis. That's just a nasty name to say. Uh, <laughs> Salavis going to take over as their starting quarterback. The game is at USC. USC a three-point favorite at home. Neither one of the t- these teams were that impressive last week. No, not at all. And and Stanford damn near lost. Uh, I mean, that game came down to the end, and, and that was should have been a game to stay. Northwestern's one of those teams, though, that always gives people trouble, and they go out and outright beat teams. So maybe not too much, you know, maybe not too bold to say Stanford just came out and, and won that game. But uh, I was going to pick USC until I saw the quarterback was out for their quarterback was out for the season, uh, and in that point, you take the, you give Stanford that three and say they're going to cover and win. Yeah, I'm which with you. I guess they would just outright. And they've played very well on the road in LA too historically. Right. I don't have a problem with picking that road contest. That's not the intimidating environment it used to be. This might be the easiest one for me. Yeah. Um and, and what's interesting is you and I agree so far three underdogs so far at this point, but none of those three I feel like very close to picking the other. I feel very confident about those three underdogs, which is very strange for feeling that way about an underdog. So I don't feel too confident about the LSU-Texas game because we talked about it before the show. I feel like LSU could come out and stomp a mud hole in them. And then I feel the same way about Texas going out and we'll get the old, Texas is back! Right. And then they'll drop the next game. Right. Right? <laughs> to whoever it is. Um, but as far as Jones, the next game, I think this is my this this. I don't know. I haven't really looked at your picks to be honest. This might be where we disagree. Nebraska and Colorado. Nebraska is twenty fourth in the country on the road at Colorado. An old Big Eight battle between uh, these two teams. Adrian Martinez is uh, a quarterback to watch for in the country this year uh, for Nebraska. He is. Uh, He's a young star in the making. Was his brother used to be at Nebraska? Taylor Martinez. right. Okay. Yes, and he's better than his brother is. Taylor was a good quarterback, too. Colorado, new head coach. They're doing some rebuilding there. But, uh, you know, this Nebraska team, a lot of people were quick to bet on Nebraska to win their division in the Big Ten, to jump on that Scott Frost train. Here's a reality check, folks. Uh, A friend of mine sent me this video that they were – after Nebraska won last week, they were playing All I Do Is Win. And I'm like, Scott Frost is 5-8 in Nebraska. Right. That's not all you do. You've lost a lot of games. If the, yeah, if the, if the song was All We Do Is Sell Out Our Home Games, then you might have a, a point. But 
it's not quite accurate, right. per se. Um, but uh, th- this one, I like Nebraska to cover, but it's one I don't feel confident. I think Colorado is very capable of, uh, of coming through. I like Nebraska to cover and win this game, but it's not something I feel confident on. I think Colorado can defend their home turf. That's not asking too much. Yeah, especially against the Nebraska team that, honestly, last week I wasn't that impressed. They didn't stand out as, oh, wow, well, you better watch out for Nebraska. I do think they'll cover and win, so we still do agree. And Colorado won last week 52-31, by the way, against Colorado State. Their offense looked good. Right. I'm not I'm not super confident, though, because I could easily see Colorado winning this. If this was at Nebraska, I would I would be feel a little bit different. But, you know, Colorado's a couple years – you know, a couple years ago they – we're at the top of the top of the nation, or not the top, but better than they have been in forever. We got to so, disagree on at least one. Oh, I think the next one is where we disagree. Number twenty-two, Syracuse at Maryland. Maryland put up seventy-nine points last week against Howard. Do you know who Howard's head coach is? I by don't. the way, um, this name is gonna your ears are just gonna drop once they say this. It's not Jim Bob Cooter, is it? He didn't leave no. Pittsburgh. Former K State coach Ron Prince. Oh wow! Seventy nine nothing last week. Not took pretty. The, took the L. Yeah, to Maryland. Uh, Maryland got a good quarterback in Josh Jackson, the former Virginia Tech quarterback. Syracuse, some folks think is the second best team in the ACC. They're coming in twenty second in the country uh, on the road at Maryland. You're kind of high on this Maryland much. You're going to take them to cover. I'm taking home? them. I'm taking them. They're going to win the game. You gotta win I, it outright, not just cover. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're just gonna. You know, lose by two. Do you realize you're taking all underdogs on college football picks this week? That's, that's all a, right. That's a bold strategy, Cotton. I mean, the Clemson game, I could see, and and really LSU. And honestly, I think I should have the right to flip flop uh, because there's some about ta- this is one game. That's that's the only one that I don't feel confident about really. I initially had Clemson, but then that's just too many points. Fair enough. So those are our picks this week uh, for the college football side against the spread with uh, those lines this week. Let's move on to the NFL side. Packers and Bears coming up Thursday night, celebrating the 100th anniversary of the National Football League with the two oldest franchises in the NFL, the best rivalry in the NFL, the Packers and the Bears. Bears are at home, three-point favorite. I got the Bears in the Super Bowl, so I can't bet against them week one. I got the Bears winning as a three-point favorite. I think they're going to be just fine. Do you think the Bears can uh, hold on against Green Bay? Uh, it's also the debut of uh, Matt LaFleur, the uh, new Packers head coach with uh, Aaron Rodgers. You know, if if the Bears, if it was more of a point spread, if let's say the Bears were at seven and a half, uh, then I wouldn't feel as confident. But I, I think the Bears got this by at least three. A little more than three. I, I, Dan, it's at Soldier Field. Yeah. If this was at Lambeau, maybe I'm feeling a little different. New England and uh, Pittsburgh. New England, five-and-a-half-point favorites against the uh, Steelers at home. And for a long time, folks said New England is not losing on their ring ceremony night. And then Alex Smith had, said, had something to say about that about two years ago when the Chiefs went in there. And uh, defeated the uh, New England Patriots uh, on their ring ceremony nights. But a New England five-and-a-half-point favorite. The Steelers, um, good offense. I'm selling that defense. I know I love the Steelers, but um, I'm not picking against Brady at home. 
and you're only giving me five and a half points. Realistically, think about this. All you're asking is, can Brady, on the ring ceremony night, beat the Steelers by a touchdown? Yes. I think so, yeah. And that's why I'm picking them, too. I mean, that's kind of – if it was in Pittsburgh, maybe I'm taking the Steelers. Right. But not, not in Foxborough. Uh, the Saints and the Texans. The Texans have made a few moves this week. Kenny Stills added to the bunch. Carlos Hyde around. Is that going to be enough to elevate that team? Uh, not against the Saints. Not week one. Saints, uh, seven-point favorite at home. I like the Saints. Is that the best home field advantage in the NFL? Uh, it's pretty good. It took the Rams to get a pass interference call last year. Oh, so you're admitting it took a pass. I, you know, I'm going to admit it, but uh, I'm still taking it. It's not my fault, <laughs> you know. If KU wins on a goaltend, you wins the national championship, you're going to might admit it, but you're still going to celebrate. I mean, I admit that they got that win against Mizzou a couple of years back, right. you know, with that uh, that uh, should have been a foul, but they called it a block. Right, and you're, I mean, not your fault. Right. I don't make the calls. Uh, but, yeah, the Saints, they're at home, seven points. That's that's fine. The Cowboys and the Giants, the G-Men. Do you think we see Daniel Jones? When, when do you think we see Daniel Jones? Do you think we see him at all this year? I think you got to play him at least once. He, he looked got, good that preseason. Right, yeah, he did. I mean, it looked a lot better than what Baker Mayfield might have thought he was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I think if they get down, if Dallas starts giving them the run, and they might, and maybe Dallas, as much as I hate Dallas, I would love to see Daniel Jones come in and tear Dak Prescott apart one-on-one, you know, as far as a – quarterback comparison i don't know that we'll see him or not uh i mean the giants are expected to be at the bottom of the division rightfully so so i i think we at least see him in one game i think cowboys take care of business at home yeah i think there's a 10 point win not anything too crazy i don't think they're blowing out the giants by any means but seven point favorite at home i'll take dallas cover the falcons and the vikings this to me tom is a toss-up game i really could see this going either way Minnesota's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't have any reason to think that Atlanta is not capable of going into Minneapolis and winning this game. Um, but Minnesota is my surprise team in the league this year, besides Cleveland, because I, I think that a lot of people are expecting Cleveland to do well now. I think Minnesota is going to get back into the postseason. Kirk Cousins is going to have a nice bounce-back year. They have the weapons to do it. You know, They have a really good offense. They have some good pieces defensively. I think they get this campaign started on a good note. Um, I like Minnesota to win by a touchdown. That's good enough to cover three and a half. I think they can defend their home turf. You know, if it was in Atlanta, I would feel a little bit different. But it is in Minnesota, and I think Dalvin Cook's going to have a breakout year. I mean, I really I feel like their core is a little bit underrated. you got Dalvin Cook, Thielen, uh, Diggs. Uh, I mean, if Kirk Cousins was a little bit better. Kyle Rudolph. Right, right. If Yeah, if he's a little – it's like a – it's like a Chiefs light. It's Except like the Chiefs when they had Alex Smith. Right, right. Okay, that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, that's the most glaring hole. And the offense is still good. It's not taken away from Kirk Cousins, but he's the weakest link. Right. Right. I mean, it's pretty obvious. And he's getting paid the most. Right, which is silly. Right. So those are our picks for this week. You and I only agree, uh, only disagree on that Maryland-Syracuse game. I go with Syracuse. You're going with maryland but uh, those are our picks for week number two. We're either going to have a terrible week or a great one. You and I are living and dying together. It is. Yeah, it is. Really Ride or die. Or life or death. All right. Before we get out of here today, Tom, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. And uh, 
This one just might make me cry. Yeah, coming from one of our favorite fast food restaurants of all time. Uh, my favorite drunk food restaurant by far. Uh, coming from Bastrop, Texas. We had to look that one up just to be sure. I need to look on the map. Right? I, I want to say West Texas. I bet you it's a little southeast of Lubbock. Okay. How's the story go? Anyway, viral video shared on Facebook Sunday. That's this past Sunday. It's uh, in the Austin metro. Is it? Maybe I'll go to this one when I'm in Austin in a couple weeks. Maybe not. Probably not. Not after this one, I won't. Um, Sunday, the Facebook video, viral video shared on Facebook Sunday appears to show, and it says a rat. It's really a field mouse. If you've seen a rat in New York, did you see any rats in New York City? You know what? I did not, actually. That is surprising. I've heard that a rat, a New York City rat is as big as a small Yorkie. Uh, anyway, really a small field mouse, if you've ever seen one of those, jumping into a deep fryer at a Central Texas Whataburger restaurant, leaving customers stunned. The video appears to show a tiny rat roaming around on a kitchen counter inside of a Whataburger located in Bastrop, a city 30 miles southeast of Austin. I guess if I would have read a little bit, then I would have seen that. And, and I quote, put this in your segment notes, Jones, this is crazy. I'm at a Whataburger in Bastrop, Texas. It's a damn rat just out in the open. Brashawn Lewis, the person who posted the video, wrote in the caption. But it did get deep fried. SMDH, also known as Shake My Damn Head. <laughs> the rodent is seen wandering around the counter space as customers gather around the cashier counter to get a view of it. The video has garnered, and this was on, I don't even know when this is written, not too long ago, but. 1.5 million views. Add another view to that because me and Tyler just watched it. Uh, after a war- worker offered to issue refunds to customers, a woman is seen moving items on the counter in apparent effort to catch the rat. And she did not work there. No, she didn't, which is a whole nother deal for her Whataburger PR. It is even worse. I than think that's illegal. Uh, yeah, especially operating the deep fryer. Um, moments later, in the craziest thing ever, and this is where it really gets good. It's not even a mouse is running around because... Every restaurant's had mice. Moments later, the rat leaps from the counter and into a pool of grease stored in the deep fryer. Whataburger, no, uh, no. He, he jumped right in, and that was the end. Uh, Whataburger addressed the incident in a com- comment response on Facebook, according to CBS Austin, claiming the restaurant location was closed and clean. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. At Whataburger, cleanliness and food safety are top priorities for us. No, they're not. Not a best drop. In this incident, we closed the restaurant out of an abundance of caution and notified pest control. The entire restaurant has since been cleaned and sanitized. We address this situation as quickly as possible. Reinforcing procedure with our family members, the restaurant added. Jones, I'm still going to eat a Whataburger. I don't care. I'd go there right now. You'd go to this location? No, not this location. Would you eat at this location? Uh, maybe in a couple months. But I not mean, every, tomorrow. Every restaurant's going to have mice. If that lady wasn't back there messing with it, it probably would have jumped in there. Maybe it would have. They shut down the uh, Steak and Shake in Lawrence for mice. Really? I mean, now... The health granted, department came in. 30 miles, what to say, southeast. I mean, Texas, that's going to be a lot of farmland, a lot of, you know, not... Yeah, there's going to be field mice. Yeah. And then with deliveries, the doors are going to be open. It's, I don't care who you are, there's mice everywhere. Even if you don't see them, there's going to be at least one. And this just so happened to be in the wrong place, the wrong time. Jumped on the counter and in the pool of grease. And it just so happened some guy got a video of it. 
Right. I think it's hilarious. I feel for feel for the mouse. I do, but really, that mice that fell in the deep. I fryer? mean, he was dead in like two seconds. Oh yeah. He didn't. Do you think it. somebody ate him? I, I I wish there was a picture of them pulled it out. What it looked like. I would be interested to see. Could you imagine what Peter would say about that? Deep fried rat. Right. I mean, there, I'm sure there's places in Bartlesville you could probably get deep fried rat. I could probably name a couple. Yeah, probably uh, probably a couple. But yes, this this video, if you have not seen it, you need to see it because uh, you'll laugh your ass off, and you might cry. And I was be, a little sad. It makes you a glass case of emotion. You much. know, the commentary was really fun. There's a guy talking about he used to work at Domino's. There's a person after asking if they can take the mouse home. This is before it jumped in the deep fryer. And the guy filming, when it jumps in, he goes, It's fried, cuz! And it's just great commentary, honestly. It's some of the best commentary on a video like that I've ever seen. Would, uh, would you have asked for a refund? Uh, yes, probably. I know I would have. Yeah, I definitely would have. I would have been really mad if I would have eaten the fries beforehand. Really would have been mad if I would have had some fries later on. You know, you wonder if it wasn't on video or nobody saw it and it jumped in there if they would have just taken it out and kept frying fries in it. This type of place? Yeah. That's the other thing, too, is if you watch this video, no one is touching this thing. They're letting it roam around and do whatever. These employees know it's there and are doing nothing about it. I think it looked like a late night, a bunch of drunk people trying to order their food and you know they don't get paid enough honestly for that i would have probably been like you know what i'm here for the chaos so you're saying if you were an employee you would not mess with that rat you'd say i don't get paid enough for this no no i wouldn't have really no i wouldn't have gotten that if i were the boss i would have fired you for not and then i would have went and worked at uh culver's culver's or somewhere else. I wouldn't care that Culver's much about... Culver's meat market? I mean, I think it's just a bad situation for everybody involved. Even if you try to get the mouse, you're on video still. Oh, yeah. Now you're viral for trying to catch a mouse in a Whataburger. Right. Instead of just being like, hey, just trying to get everybody's money back and I'm trying to go home. Right. There's, there's not a win in this situation. Right. There is no wins. And maybe they did fire... They shouldn't fire everybody. That would be ridiculous. Because honestly, mice are everywhere. There's probably one in our presence now. Planning my murder later on. I would have fired everybody that worked that day because uh, I'm, a, you know, I'm a, a jerk, uh, clearly, uh, based on what you just said. But also the fact that you allowed a mice in and you did nothing about it. Why should I employ you? I mean, maybe. But then if you're the GM, you're like, well, mice are in your restaurant. Why didn't you do something about it beforehand? Who's to say the GM was there? I mean, the GM might not have been there, but the GM probably was there earlier in the day, and that mouse just didn't get in there. He may have. No, he was trying to get a patty melt like me at 3 a.m. drunk as balls. (laughs) (laughs) He was was trying to get some spicy ketchup and a patty melt. At least the mouse, to his credit, has good taste. I mean, yeah, he could have been in a place like Culver's. Right. I've never been to Culver's. It's like Drew Gooden dogging on Gates. <laughs> never even been to Gates either, but... Gates' sauce isn't that great. They're we love to hate on Culver's. Next time I'm in Kansas City, Lawrence, I'm going to Culver's and we're sitting down. And Wisconsin's seeing, finest. 
Um, do they have cheese curds? They do. They do. Are they any good? Yes. They got to be better than Lon John Silver's because that place is trash. That place probably has a lot of mice. I like Lon John Silver's. No, it's trash. I like. It's the uh, worst. It is the worst fast food restaurant. I like Mr. D's better. I've never had Mr. D's. When it comes to seafood, I've literally, I think Long John Silver's and KFC are tied for the worst fast food restaurant in the nation. You're not gonna give that not Nashville hot chicken sandwich? KFC? No, not a chance. I'll have the Popeye. Did you? Have you tried the Popeyes? No, I went there three times and they were sold out every time. Did you go in Tulsa? No. Oh, you should have. Do they have I, it in Tulsa? I don't know. I've heard no. they have it. I, we have to try it, too. We'll have to do a live I just taste wanna, test. I just want to try it just for the sake. I know the Chick-fil-A Spicy Deluxe Chicken Sandwich is probably better. I don't. I go no tomato, though. Okay. No tomato. Just the lettuce, pepper jack cheese, pickle, spicy chicken. That spicy chicken, it's delicious. It is good. But after I'm done eating it, about 15 minutes later... I feel like somebody's punched me in the gut. Right? You know, I can see that. I do not get that from Chick-fil-A. And I also I only get it the, from that spicy chicken sandwich. I also haven't had the mac and cheese, though. I haven't either. Man, there's some work we have to do. we got to do some investigating. We need to. We need to do some You'll capital be back changing. In, you'll, we'll be at the OSU Tulsa game in a couple weeks. Yeah. We'll, we'll do some capital J journalism. I think so. Since when we're at the OSU Tulsa game, you know what we need to do? What do you need at that Coney Island across the street from Chapman Oh, yeah. have you ever had it? Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, it's good. It is good, yes. That's the best way to pregame for TU game. We'll have to go to Buccaneers, Tulsa's oldest bar. Yes. Is, yeah, it is. I've never been in there. And Burnco's over there. Burnco is over there. That Probably going to be a line. Probably a super. And then we'll go get a Popeye's chicken sandwich. We'll be distracted by Burnco. <laughs> we're going to be just fat after right, the TU yeah, we're just gonna. That's how you got to do it. We're going to look like Billy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, we love Billy, so we can pick on Billy. That's fine. Got to run. Tom, thanks for having me in, in Bartlesville. You, in got your to living eat, room. you got to eat some of my dad's barbecue. It was good. And the beans. It was. It was pretty good. Better than We've Gates. done this show so many times in my house. It only took six or seven years for finally for me to come up to Bartlesville. All right, no joke. I feel like we were very close several times. And I don't think we even did the show here while no one was here last year. No, we didn't. We went to P-Town Pizza, though. That was good. That was good. That was good. Shout out to Ree Drummond. Big thanks to uh, Steve Weiss for joining us. Uh, great guy from the NFL Network. He's got some fantastic stuff going on all season long. Give him a follow. You'll be glad you did. And uh, subscribe to the show. iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And we mean that. And uh, you can uh, follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, and uh, Jones underscore Report. You can find us there. Give us a follow up today, and uh, you will be glad you did. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week here on the Jones Report. Have a great one, everybody. So long. Jones report. F- yeah.